You are listening to the podcast of New Life Church in Wayland, Michigan. Our longing is to see zero people in our community living unchanged by Jesus. We are a church navigating the messiness of life together in community. One of our core convictions is that everyone is welcome, no one is perfect, and anything is possible. I hope you know there is a place in the family for you here. For more information on gathering times and location, check out our website. But for now, I hope God speaks powerfully to you through this word. I am really excited for what God has in store for our community today. First of all, happy spring break. I think uh, Michigan thinks that means spring took a break, but uh, nonetheless, for those of you who are here in the tundra, we are in this together. Uh, Man, we're glad that you are here. And uh, one of the things that we really, really value as a community, not just as New Life Church, but as a family of churches called the Zero Collective, is to raise up future leaders in the church. We really believe that is something God has called us to. Um, And if we're not multiplying, like if we're not doing this thing where it's not just about what we're doing here, but we're actually seeing the kingdom expand in different ways, we're actually not living in the way of Jesus that he called his disciples to live in. And so I'm really excited for today because we have a guy named Nick here today who is a resident with the Zero Collective. And so he's in a two-year residency with the Zero Collective. Nick and I have been working together this whole week on on this sermon together and just uh, all kinds of different... He's been kind of shadowing me this week. It's been super fun, man. But I have a nickname that I've given Nick, and he doesn't know I'm sharing this, but my nickname for Nick is Ron Swanson. So everybody say hello to Ron. Some of... For those of you who are Parks and Rex fans, you get that. Others of you are like Googling right now. He hates that so much, but it's awesome. Yeah, right? He's like going to be totally thrown off now. But here's, here's the, the, the most important thing you need to hear about Nick. So Nick is one of the most on fire for Jesus people that I've ever met in my life. In fact, there are, so here's the deal. There's, I don't know if you know this, but there's an incredible move of God happening in Gen Z right now around the country. And a lot of like older people who don't have a lot of association with Gen Z will use like hell in a handbasket language. Nick and the movement that he is a part of is living proof that Gen Z is carrying the church forward in so many ways, in some powerful ways. He's actually, he's been part of for several years a movement called Every Heart which is a movement of young people, a worship movement of young people going around the country, and they are seeing dozens of baptisms every month and dozens of salvations, and God is stirring something in Gen Z. A lot of it happens with colleges around the country, and it's just been, I mean, there's people in this community here at New Life that have been impacted directly by that movement. And so it's just been really cool to see what you guys are up to, what you're doing, and how God is moving. And so I believe God is going to speak through Nick today to all of us. And so uh, I'm going to pray for him in just a moment. But before I do that, can we give a warm new life welcome to Nick as he comes up here? Let's pray together. God, I just thank you for uh, this brother in Christ, God. I thank you for the heart that you have given him for you, the heart you've given him to see lost people um, come to a relationship with you, God, come to know and love you. 
And, and God, I pray right now as, as Nick comes and he speaks and he gives your word, God, I know you have placed a powerful word on his heart this morning, God. And so I just pray that uh, you'll give him clarity, that um, it won't be his words, but that your Holy Spirit will speak and move directly through him, God. I, I pray that you will pierce our hearts and our minds here this morning, that we will walk away looking more like your son as a result of what we experience, what we hear this morning. And so God, thank you for Nick. And we pray all of this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Well, that was a good, that was a really good intro. And to go off the every heart thing, so it started with six guys just driving around in an RV four years ago. And we really thought when we were juniors in college that we could travel around the country and share the gospel. And the Lord really blessed it, even though we had no idea what we were doing. So now we own six 15-pastor vans. And around 62 college students trust us to send them um, the whole summer um, for eight weeks and travel around. So if you see me in a white 15-pastor van, don't be creeped out. I know I have a mustache. <laughs> don't blink an eye, but uh, it's happening. And thank you, Brad. Yeah, Gen Z, it, it really is a scary time right now for everyone. But Gen Z really is on fire for missions and ministry. And I'm super excited for what's going to happen. And that's really a big call of why I am currently in ministry. So um, just to really introduce myself, I know normal guest speakers usually introduce their family and a picture of their family. I'm two years out of college, so my current family is this. <laughs> um, and as you probably know, the more you spend time with someone, the more you look like them. Uh, we all have mustaches. Except for that one, Tyler. He, he's getting there. But, um, and yes, we do have a double-decker couch, as you can see. Um, but as I've noticed as I've done ministry with these guys and as I've lived with these guys, the more I spend time with them, yes, the more I look like them, but the more I inherit their desires, the more I want to be like them, the more I like, feel what they feel. So quick story Bryce, one of the guys in that picture, got pranked really bad by one of our roommates, Jonah, before I even knew them. They went to Spring Arbor University. I went to Cornerstone, so I did not know them three years ago. But Jonah pranked Bryce pretty bad in the sense of every day I would hear Bryce say to Jonah, I'm going to get you back. I'm going to get you back. I am so bitter. Um, he was pretty bitter, to be honest. He wouldn't say I'm bitter. But Tyler and I, the other roommate, would hear this and be like, dang, Jonah, we're going to get you back. We're going to get you back, even though we had nothing to do with it, but we were going to get Bryce back. I mean, we were going to get Jonah back with Bryce. And one day, actually on my birthday last year, jo um, Bryce comes up to us and is like, man, I have the best idea to get Jonah back. Are you in? And Tyler and I look at each other and go, we're in. So what we do is we buy a three-foot ball python snake. There's a picture right here. Um, it was around $150. So Tyler and I, who did not get pranked by Jonah, put in our own money of $50 to buy this snake and to lock Jonah in the bathroom for 45 minutes. And after <laughs> Bryce feels really good and Jonah's terrified and Tyler and I look at each other, we're like, that didn't feel as good as we thought. Because <laughs> jo Jonah didn't do anything to us. So we literally like, inherited his bitterness for no reason. And um, what I'm trying to say here is I think that I'm not the only one that does this. 
Um, I'm not the only one that really inherits someone else's desires. I think we all do this. Um, sometimes, I think if you're a parent, you could do your child's homework, and, and then it goes to a teacher, and the teacher rips it apart. And you're like, uh, what? I did this homework. Or you're really championing your spouse. You want a promotion for your spouse. And I think the biggest thing that we've seen uh, on a large scale this week for inheriting someone else's desires is Will Smith. I think Will Smith uh, shows it perfectly that when you mess with your spouse, you get angry too. Um, but the biggest thing that I think I've seen in this play out is are we finding that the desires of Jesus are becoming our own desires? That like when we spend time with Jesus, are his desires becoming ours? And I'm going to jump into 1 Peter here. Um, we're going to read the whole text, and then I'll go bit by bit. But um, stay with me as we read the word, that therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace to be brought to you when Jesus Christ is revealed at his coming. As obedient children, do not conform to the evil desires you had when you lived in ignorance. But just as he who called you is holy, so be holy in all you do. For it is written, be holy because I am holy. So since you call on a father who judges each person's work impartially, live out your time as foreigners here in reverent fear. For you know that it was not with perishable things such as silver or gold that you were redeemed from the empty way of life handed down to you from your ancestors. But with the precious blood of Christ, a lamb without blemish or defect, he was chosen before the creation of the world, but was revealed in these last times for your sake. Through him you believe in God, who raised him from the dead and glorified him. And so your faith and hope are in God. Yeah, that was a mouthful, guys. And I'm going to go through it, but I feel like it's really important to soak the whole text in first. Um, but we're going to start with a little context in the sense of that Peter is writing this letter. Um, I know in, in some, some letters in the Bible, it's really confusing who wrote it because it's got like the name Romans, it's got the different name. But Peter was straight up and said, this is called Peter because Peter wrote it. And um, so Peter is writing this letter to the suffering Christians um, throughout the empire that is expanding in modern-day Turkey. And he's writing this from Rome, but Peter calls it Babylon. And he's really, really writing it to the, the future kingdom that is going to be heaven on earth. And um, the first thing that I think I already alluded to is in 1 Peter 1, 13-14, when we spend time with Jesus, his desires become our own. Um, that the therefore with minds that are alert and fully sober, set your hope on the grace. And in that time, set your hope meant to be tucking up the skirt of your garment. Yes, we, we didn't wear skinny jeans back then. Um, we tucked in our skirt and we um, tightened the legs for battle. And that really shows us that it is a choice every day to pursue God. That we are tightening our legs for battle every day to choose God instead of the world. That right now is a cognizant choice. That soon, like when Jesus comes back, every tongue will confess, every knee shall bow. But right now, we're choosing to, to pursue the Lord and that there's not a relationship. Um, if you're married in this room, I'm not. But if you're married in this room, you probably can attest there's not a relationship that you can just be away from each other and you grow with, next to each other. 
Um, there's not a relationship that you don't have to invest time in. And the same is with Jesus. And the cool thing is that above any other title, that we are sons and daughters of God. That above any other thing, that we are belovedly loved by Jesus. Um, and I think a lot of times, even in my own life, I can get hung up on titles of like, dang, when I become lead pastor, I'm going to get it right with God. Or when I get this promotion, I'm going to get it right. Or when I make this amount of money, I'm going to be loved. And that's not how the kingdom, that's not how the gospel works, is that we operate out of being loved first because he loved us. And we're going to get to it, but we are holy because he is holy, not because of anything that we could possibly do. But so when we spend time with him, when we go to him in prayer and time in the Bible, we, get, we understand his character and we, under, we take his desires and they become our desires for ourselves as well. And <laughs> I can't help but to think, so I am from uh, Clarkston, Michigan, which is two hours east, and I didn't really grow up in the church, but I came, I came to Cornerstone University purely to play baseball. And the Lord radically had a different plan for my life. I got encountered by the Lord. But my freshman year of college, I took Old Testament class before I was saved, before I knew the Lord. So I'm out here reading about blood sacrifices, reading about all this stuff, and I'm like, what is going on? Like, I don't even know who this Jesus guy is. And uh, I hope my professor is not watching, but I did cheat in that class. And I do have a degree. So I... But what I'm trying to say is the Bible is intimidating, and spending time with the Lord is intimidating, and I'm going to keep saying this term, spending time with the Lord, but what I really mean is spending time in prayer, spending time in reading the Bible, but also spending time in community with other people who love Jesus, because when we spend time with other people who love Jesus, we look more like Jesus too, and when we spend time in prayer, we look more like Jesus. So I'm going to keep saying spending time, but keep understanding from that context that like it's intimidating but he really honors that and then moving on to first peter 1 15 through 16 the big thing i would tell my 18 year old self is not sinning is different than holiness uh he says right here that but just as he who called you is holy so be holy in all you do for it is written be holy because i am holy um, and the new, the new Testament really emphasizes holiness, that it's not moral per perfection, that it's not that everything, if you do everything that is good, you are holy. It's if you pursue Jesus, you look more like him, and you're holy because he is holy. And that's really inspiring because I don't know about you guys, I'm not morally perfect. I strive to be, but <laughs> I'm not. And um, I... The one thing that when I was really early in my faith, around 19, 20 years old, I would get in these men's groups with other guys who didn't have it figured out either, and we would ask, how's your spiritual life going? And we would all go around the room, and we'd be like, well, I'm 10 days without porn, or I haven't cussed in a couple weeks. And I really don't think that's a really fair portrayal of our spiritual lives and who Jesus is, but rather measuring our time based on, wow, I've spent time with Jesus and I am inheriting his character. And I think we almost see 
Sometimes I see um, my spiritual life as days without sin, and I immediately thought of this picture um, from the office, zero days since our last nonsense, or uh, I'm not a huge office guy, but I know Brad is, so we kind of brought this up together. <laughs> um, but I also, I immediately thought of like the OSHA of like, uh, it's 10 days since the last accident. And then, and then when we commit an accident, we're like, oh, dang, God, where are you? It's like, in the process of looking more like him, we're going to mess up. But what he promises is when we go to him, he gives us fruit. He gives us the fruits of the Spirit. He gives us life, and he replenishes us. So rather than measuring it on the next, oh, like the last day since you sinned, it, what if we daily went to him? What if we daily spent time with him to look more like him? And holiness is just looking more like him every day. I, I tell a lot of people this um, because I think super simply, but if it's ever super complicated, it's not of the Lord. Um, <laughs> if, it's, if it's ever like super confusing in your head, uh, I don't think the Lord communicates like that, except to me. So um, <laughs> he, could, he could speak to you differently. He speaks to everyone of you differently, but I think it's like he speaks super simply. And whenever we get in our own heads, like, oh, like I have to do this, this, and this to earn God's love, it's like, no, son and daughter of God, come to me. <laughs> come to me. And I can't help but to think about Matthew 14. Um, our boy Peter, who wrote this letter, is the star of this. Um, so Jesus is on the water, and Peter tries to walk on the water towards him. And Jesus says, like, look at me, and you'll walk. So Peter starts walking towards Jesus on the water. He's like, wow, this is crazy. But he's looking completely at Jesus. And he's walking towards Jesus, and then he looks away, and he starts to sink. And that's exactly what it's like in our lives as well. If we keep our eyes completely on Jesus, we'll walk towards him. And miraculous things will happen through us because our eyes are on Jesus. I can't promise you we'll walk on water like Peter, but miraculously things will happen. But when we look away, we're going to start to sink. And it is exhausting to pursue moral perfection without pursuing Jesus. Um, when we start to look away from Jesus, we're going to start to sink. That's where burnout happens. That's where, honestly, moral failure happens. That's where a lot of like anxiety, depression happens. When we're pursuing this image of moral perfection, we're not pursuing Jesus. So I really think this is a great imagery um, for our boy Peter here of when we look at Jesus we <laughs> and walk towards him and keep our eyes on him, he's going to love us and he's going to provide rather than looking every which way because we're going to start to sink. And when we look towards Jesus, he promises us a couple things. He promises us the fruit of the Spirit. And I would argue that Holiness, instead, is a pro like not sinning is a product of holiness rather than, rather than not sinning being holiness. So the fruits of the Spirit, he promises, is love, joy, peace, patience, which, Lord, I need every day, kindness, generosity, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. He promises all these things when we keep our eyes on Jesus. So instead of looking for I need, I need to be way more humble right now. I need to focus on humility. It's like, 
No, focus on Jesus, and he'll provide humility. It's like, oh, no, I need purity right now. Focus on Jesus. He will give purity. He will give that. And then, dang, this is the hardest one, I think, for me, but 1 Peter 1.22, when we align ourselves with Jesus, our desires for others become his as well. So now that you have purified yourselves by obeying the truth so that you have sincere love for each other, love one another deeply from the heart. So not only when we spend time with Jesus does, our desire, does his desires for us become, so does it for, other, for the, everyone else in your life, even the hard people to love, that when we acknowledge that we are a son, when we are a daughter of God, we have to acknowledge that so is everyone else. So is every other person in our lives. So when we operate as a child of God, we have to treat others as well. And that when we align our desires with Jesus, this is really how we can participate in the, in the restoration right now that is happening in heaven and that is going to happen on earth. And um, I just thought this was a really good time to uh, bring up a story of when I came to the Zero Collective, uh, I came to the Zero Collective last year, and it was honestly the hardest time of my life. I was at a church that I loved. I was also a part of the ministry, Every Heart, that I loved. And in the summers, we always go on a summer tour. We always get in vans and go. And this summer tour, I decided I wasn't going, but all of my roommates and all of my best friends we're going on a summer tour. I instead was going to take a residency at a church in June. So I was living in an empty house, and I was at a church. I did not know anybody. And the funny part is the people that at the Zero Collective, people at Frontline that I mainly was working at at the time, they were awesome. They were awesome people. They weren't really hard to love, but I knew the Lord called me there, so I had to start praying for these people. I was like, okay, God, like I don't know any of these people, and I don't really... I'm kind of an introvert, so <laughs> and my, I have, so I started praying for the staff and the people, and I started to love them. I started to see that God loves them and that they are sons and daughters of God, and I treated them like that. So in our lives, it's impossible to not love someone if we're praying for them. So if we continue to see someone, man, like I struggle to treat this, like I struggle to love this person, or you're like me and you just avoid that person, Man, start praying for them, and you'll see the, uh, the desires of Jesus on their life. And this goes straight into the application of who do you need to pray for and inherit his love for them? Who do you need to invite to Easter? I know Zach brought up the three people you need to invite to Easter, and I think this is a perfect challenge on top of that, is who are the people that are hard to love in your life that need to know Jesus? So, I encourage, so I'm going to challenge you to not only like pray for who to invite, but also pray to love them better. And in that, you're going to see des desires that Jesus has over their lives. And I promise you, there's going to be an overflow of love there. There's going to be an overflow. And I can't think of a better way to um, wrap this up than to go towards the completion that God offers so we're going to go into Revelation real quick, and um, I'm going to read this over, that each of the four living creatures had six wings and was covered with eyes all around, even under its wings, day and night, they never stopped saying, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, 
who was and is and is to come. And whenever the living creatures give glory, honor, and thanks to him who sits on the throne and lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before him who sits on the throne and worship him who lives forever and ever and ever. They lay their crowns before the throne and say, you are worthy, our Lord and God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and by your will they were created and have their being. And that's John's vision of heaven. That's John's vision of what's to come. And I can't help but be excited and want to pursue Jesus more, knowing that in heaven we're already going to be worshiping him. We're already going to be 24-7 loving him and proclaiming holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty who was and is and is to come. So as we just go out in our days, I just encourage you to understand that every time we meet with him, it's a glimpse of heaven. Every time that we spend time with him, it's a glimpse of what is to come. And that's how we participate in the restoration that's going to happen, is worshiping him now while it's a choice. Worshiping him now while we have the honor to. Um, and that every time we meet with Jesus, and this is the cool thing, three in the Bible is a number of completion. I think we're going to see that in Easter, um, the three days it took for him to rise. Um, and in Revelation, he says, holy, 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 three times. So when we look at Jesus and when we worship, are we viewing him as holy, holy, holy? Are we viewing him as someone who is just so beautiful? And are we honoring him in that? Um, because we aren't holy without him. So as we just go into worship, I'm going to pray. But let's just really hold the weight that every time we meet with him, it's a glimpse of heaven. And every time we love someone who's hard to love, that's Jesus' heart. And every time we spend time with him in prayer, every time we spend time with him in the Bible, we look more like him and less like ourselves. Praise God for that. I don't know about you, but my flesh is ugly. And I crave to look more like him every single day. So I'm going to pray, and we're going to go back into worship. So Jesus... Oh, I just pray right now for myself, but the entire New Life family, Lord. We acknowledge that without you, we are broken. Without you, we are tired. Without you, we can't be holy. So Jesus, make us holy because you are. I just pray that we continue to pursue your face above moral perfection and above the world. That when we get tired, we don't look to stimulants. We don't look to pornography. We don't look to all these things of the world, but we look to you and you provide rest, supernatural rest, Lord. So we love you, Lord. And we just acknowledge that every time we meet with you, it's a glimpse of heaven. Every time we meet with you, it's heaven on earth. So we proclaim, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. I pray this moment marks us 
to just behold you, Jesus, to behold you above ourselves, that above any other title in our lives, we are a son or a daughter of God. And you love us immeasurably no matter what. So Jesus, mark us. We give everything to you. We worship you, Lord. I just pray a fresh fire over this worship that we can really just treat this time as heaven on earth, Lord. We love you. Amen.